Thank you for listening to this podcast by Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by a special guest speaker. So, I live my life mostly, I try to at least, by two books. The first one is this book, okay? The second one is this book. Okay, you, know, you probably know what this book is, I would hope, but you probably don't know what this book is. This is the DSM-5, which means the Diagnostic um, Statistical Manual of Mental Health. And it's edition five, and it came out just two years ago, brand new. Well, I am very, very blessed to be a, a mental health counselor working at a place. I work at Emerge Counseling, and it's a Christian counseling center where I'm encouraged to use both books. In fact, I am expected to use both books for my daily work. When my company, what makes my company different is not that we don't use the same techniques and theories and therapies, or that we get a different licensure, or take a different test as other counselors, because we do the same classes, learn the same stuff, and use the same methods. The only difference is we know that this book covers and supports everything in this book. So I thought, well, since I use this book in my work, I'll see if I can't use this book on Sunday. It works one way, why wouldn't it work the other way? And besides that, one, I do that mainly two reasons. One is because that's what I know. And the second is because I know that you guys are probably going to be polite enough not to complain until after I'm done. And then it's his problem. So here's your buck. <laughs> when I was thinking of what Bible verses to speak on today, I, I thought of how often I use the phrase with my clients, there is nothing new under the sun. I had a vague idea of what this verse meant. Um, what I was using it for when I was using it, I was usually saying it to a person who's sitting in front of me who was in despair over some seemingly insurmountable ob obstacle that they're facing or a fear that they're feeling about the state of our world or how much they are feeling attacked by Satan. I, get, I say it to give them hope that they are not alone. Others have felt like they are feeling before, and others have survived. And God has handled this many times before, and there's no reason to doubt that God won't handle this for them and give them the same strength that he has given others. This is what I call kind of a call for calm perseverance and hope. Now, I never really dove into the scripture, so I thought, okay, this is my opportunity. When I started reading the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, it sounds very discouraging and negative, even hopeless, and it is. I looked at the author, who is Solomon, most, of us can, uh, most scholars agree. He was a man who asked God for wisdom, and he was given this gift. And then I realized that Solomon was using a technique that I learned, and it's kind of, I like to use. And I thought, wow, boing, 
There's nothing new under the sun. So let me show you what I mean. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. You can read along with me. Now, I went from the NIV, but I'll go ahead and read this from what's in there so it matches. Um, But if I stumble, please forgive me. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down. It hastens to a place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on on its circus the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what it will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which can be said, see, this is new. It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, I, and I have plied my heart and seek to, and to search out all, by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, it is all vanity and a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be countered. I have said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this is also all but striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now the NIV, the first verse, or the second verse in there says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Now Solomon is describing the repetitiveness of the world. He's talking about the sameness of each day, of each generation, of each person. He talks about the sun going up and the sun going down just to come up again the next day. He talks about the wind blowing this way, blowing that way, and just never really going anywhere. He points out that the streams lead into the rivers which flow into the sea where it evaporates and starts the cycle all over again, never changing the depth of the sea. He talks about people being born, learning, and striving, and working, and no matter what they do, They still die, generation after generation. None are remembered. None make a difference, but just plod along in the sameness of the cycle. No matter what we hear, we want to hear more. 
no matter what we see, we want to see more. And anybody who's lost someone important to them will testify to that. Nothing is enough, and nothing satisfies for long. And we look for something more. Solomon knows he was given the gift of wisdom, and he knows he should be able to find the answer if it's out there. He has the resources. He is king. He has the brains given to him straight from God. He is determined to use all that he has to search for the meaning, and yet finds none. Nothing under the sun, or in other words, on this earth, is different. It's not different, it's not new, and it has no meaning. Even having wisdom and understanding just makes things worse because then you understand just how meaningless it all is, how pointless it is. When we say, the world is so much worse today, there's so much evil. The world was so evil in Noah's time that God destroyed everything except eight people and the very basics of the animal on the earth. That, to me, sounds like it was pretty evil. We look at the history in the Bible and the history in our other books, and we see pain and evil and horrid treatment of each other. We see deception and debauchery and disobedience. How is that better than what's, or different than what's today? Sure, we may have made different weapons, but the fact is, we make and use those weapons just the same as we always did. Same heart, same spirit, same people. Nothing is different. The process is the same, and the cycle is the same. The circle just keeps going round and round and round. We know we want something, that we are searching for something. Maybe a new car will feel, make us feel satisfied. But no, that only lasts a moment. Maybe having the perfect house. Yeah, but there's always a better house out there. Maybe being famous or brilliant will fill that hole. But guess what? We still die, and that is still all gone. I don't know about you, but about this time, I was kind of feeling a little depressed. So what was Solomon trying to do? Was he trying to get us to say, get us to give up? To not even try? Now here's where it started kicking in about the familiarity with my style. Now I am not at wise, but at least I think I'm starting to get it because I've built on my learning on the backs of other people and what other people have written down. And Solomon already had it. How many years did it take for us to put words to it? But first, I wanted to start with a simple explanation of the mind. There's, now, don't worry, there's not going to be a test or anything, and this is kind of like the brain for dummies. So we're going to start with a hand brain. Yes, that's the technical term. But we have ba three basic parts. Now, obviously, there are a lot other parts to the brain than three, but we have three basic symptoms in there. We have the fingers, we have the thumb, and we have the palm and the wrist. Now the palm and the wrist, that represents our brain stem. Okay? That's the stuff that keeps us alive. 
That's the heartbeat, the breathing, the uh, digestion, all that stuff that we really don't have much control over. It's the stuff that just works, you know, uh, and keeps us running. That's called the reptilian brain. Now, that's because the reptiles have that, that part, portion of the brain. But then we tuck in this portion, the thumb, which is the limbic system, okay, which is just a fancy name for our emotions and instincts. Okay? That is where things are stored that, for instance, are fight, flight, or freeze that God put in there to protect us, to, to notify us when something's going wrong. Okay? Um, that's also where the patterns are made. Patterns like how to walk, how to eat, how to dress ourselves. So we don't have to get up every morning and relearn these. They're stuck in here. It's also why we can drive down the road thinking of something totally else and get there and think, how did I get there? That's because we have this system and God uses it to protect us. Now, one thing he did is when this system goes online, it hijacks the whole brain because it needs to work immediately. That's what it's set up to do. It's set up to protect us, it's set up to jump into action. So it hijacks the whole brain. The problem with this system is Satan, who is very, very clever, likes to use this system against us. This is where he plants the lies. You are not good enough. You are unlovable. You'll never be enough. You'll never be worth anything. And every time something happens, those lies pop back up again and color whatever we're doing. So God made it for good. But Satan gets in there and uses it against us. The last part of the brain is the prefrontal cortex, which is the man brain. This is the mammal brain, reptile mammal. This is the man brain. This is where logic is stored. This is where we can do, um, solve problems and make reason and um, do math. Well, some of us can do math, not me. But at least I know where to go to get help with math. So that is part of this top brain. It's part of the reasoning. Now, when we put this all, in, all together, this is the brain that God created. This is how he created it to work. And when we're in that, we call it wise brain. So yeah, that's the technical term too. So um, wise brain is all of these working in perfect um, union. Now, I believe, and it's just my opinion, didn't get it from any scholar, so don't take it as gospel, is this brain is what Solomon asked for. He asked to understand how it all works so that he could make the best decisions. And he asked to see how it all works so that he could make decisions for other people, too. Now, I base my belief on the fact that I look at Solomon's decisions and his words. And for instance, the two women that had one baby, in one statement, he immediately figures out who is in what part of their brain. By saying, I'll cut the baby in half, he knows that the one who's not the mother is going to want to win. She's going to want to come out on top. That's the logical brain. But the one who was, it was her baby, all she could care about was saving her baby. That's the emotional brain. And he immediately knew how to make the decision. 
I also look at the Proverbs. And the Proverbs are all based on, not all based on, but many of them are based on things that we want to do right now, things that feel good or tempt us, but we, that's, that's the, the emotional brain. But he puts in there what's best for us in the long run. That's the logical brain. So he understands how these work. So, anyways, um, sorry, I lost my place. Okay, we have to work on it. If, when we're in this part of our brain, we actually have to work on it to bring it back into the logical part of our brain. It takes us thinking, okay, no, I don't want to respond in an emotional state. I want to respond in a logical state. So I go back to what was Solomon doing here. I see him tapping right into our emotional brain, getting us to think about how it feels, how we long, how we need something, and how we are desperate to find that something that's going to give us meaning and make us comfortable that we exist. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he, he brings it back around to the logical brain and says, if it's not here, where is it? If it's not anything that we can find under the sun, where, is, where are you going to go? He leads us to make a logical assumption, a logical decision. He tells us it isn't on this side of the sun. It's on the other side. He is leading us to the only conclusion we can make, logically. And unless we recognize what we need is the creator God, this sign is going to be repetitive and meaningless and mundane. There is nothing new. We can't create life. We can't create more things, all we can do is put things together and make them look differently. We can breed different animals, but we can't make a new animal. We can make new weapons or houses, but what we're taking from the things that are already here, because that was put here by our creator, and we can't create. He's the only one that can create, and it and everything else is just a version. Now, there was a man in the future who got very, very smart. And he was intelligent and worked in a lab and took all this information from everybody else. And he decided he could create life. So guy, he challenged God. I'm as good as you because I can create life. So God said, OK, go ahead. So the man starts to scoop up a pile of dirt, and God said, no, no, wait, use your own dirt. That is how much we can't create. So this is what I do, too. I, I figure out with my clients what side of the brain they're in and try to get them to use the whole brain, get us to thinking how we feel, 
how we, how we long, what, what it is we need, and then get us to think about what's the most logical thing that can get that done. Now this book is about two years old. It's revision number five, but it's brand new. But as I go through this, I find all kinds of things in it. I find things like anxiety and depression. And then I look over here and think, how many times does he tell me not to worry, not to be anxious? I see um, narcissism and uh, all kinds of, of disorders. And I look in here, and I can definitely see those already in here. I see bipolar. And I personally think it would be pretty interesting to sit down with Elijah. One moment, he is taunting a bunch of high-powered people and making huge claims. The next minute, he's in a cave saying, oh, take me now because she says she's going to kill me. If that's not bipolar, I'm not sure what is. So as I look through this book, you know, there's sexual disorders, there's uh, obsessions, there is all kinds of things. But so far, I haven't been able to find anything in here. And I haven't looked um, diagnosis by diagnosis. But I haven't seen anything in here that isn't already in here. Aren't we so smart? We've actually put words to it after all this time. We think we know it. So these two books help me define my choices. These two books help me make the wisest choices possible. This one helps me to understand and see the brokenness that Satan has put in our lives from the beginning of time, and that he has worked through us, through our internal systems even, to break us, to put the blocks in front of us, the blocks that keep us from God, and even from the Holy Spirit that's in us. These are the blocks. These are the sins. This is the generations. This is the sins of our Father that comes through. This book just helps me, tells me it's an instruction book on how to help. For me, it leads me back to one amazing thing. And it's not under the sun. It's over. Amen. Mm -hmm.